It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. We are recording this episode on August 29th. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny afternoon here in Los Angeles. And that means that in less than seven days, Whitney, when this episode is out, or actually you might have already arrived, you're going to be on a road trip, a cross-country road trip. And we have teased this in some previous episodes here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. If it's your first time joining us, dear listener, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, we are going to dive in today to talking a little bit deeper about Whitney's upcoming road trip all the way back to the East Coast. And we have teased this on previous episodes, especially talking about Whitney's acumen and her talent and experience being an expert planner and some of the offshoots of perfectionism and feeling safe by being overprepared for things and the contrast to my standard prep method, which is just make it up as you go and just hope for the best. So I'm curious, with less than a week to go at the time of this recording, what's your emotional state around this road trip? How are you feeling about it? What's your level of prep? Just what's going on with you? How are you feeling about this whole thing? Well, I will likely be done with the trip by the time this episode comes out. We're recording our episodes in advance because I'll be on the road and unable to record. I guess technically I could record, but we just don't know about reception. So we didn't want to risk it unless everything is being done more in advance than we usually do. And we will be doing an episode summarizing the road trip. So this is kind of like part one the before. And then there's an upcoming episode that'll be the after and that'll probably be out in two weeks talking about what the experience was like. And we may even have my travel companion on the show with us to talk about what it was like for her too. And yeah, it's funny. I realized that I have this tendency to take on not too much. I don't want to say too much, but I take on a lot I get really excited and ambitious about things. And then when I'm in the thick of it, part of me is like, why did I do this? Why did I take on this so much? But you know what is interesting is I'm traveling with a really intelligent, savvy, conscious friend who I think is going to be a complete delight. And she's a great planner. She's a great communicator. I'm really looking forward to this with her. And she actually is traveling as of today wrapping up one trip. She did a mini road trip in just the state of Utah and is coming from Utah to LA this afternoon. And I'm so curious to hear about her experience because I have done a lot of road trips, but I haven't done much camping. In fact, I think I've only been in a tent a few times in that sense of camping. I don't think I've ever stayed in like an RV or anything. I'm generally someone that stays in hotels, Airbnbs. Oh, you know, it's funny, actually, now that I think about it, I used to love camping in the backyard, like at my friend's house or my place. Like I always thought being in a tent was cool growing up. And then I went to horse camp when I was like 10 years old or something. And we did like one overnight camping trip, which... (laughs) (laughs) brings back memory. So we're at like, it was kind of an upscale place. I think it was in New Hampshire. I grew up in Massachusetts and I had a pony because my mom and my sister are in the horse world. So a huge part of my life centered around horses. And my mom really wanted me to be into horses. And so she got me a pony and she sent me away to horse camp and just wasn't really my thing. So a few years later, I gave up horse riding (laughs) to pursue other things in my life that I was actually passionate about. But that camp experience was pretty cool 
cool. I think it was two weeks long. It was a really nice camp. It was beautiful accommodations and all of that. And like I said, I think like one day out of that whole two weeks, we went on overnight in tents. And all I remember is two things from that tent experience, which was there was a thunder and lightning storm. We had like set up camp next to a small body of water. And I think our horses were with us. But now I'm like, how the where were they? Maybe that's my imagination. Maybe we didn't actually bring them. I don't recall. But I do remember when there was the thunder and lightning that we had to go like hide in the woods. And I was kind of scared about it. And then I also have this bizarre memory. But it's funny how these things get lodged in your brain of like we were having breakfast the next morning and they had those mini boxes of cereal. Remember those, Jason? Like, I don't know if they still make them, but like they were very satisfying. They were those (laughs) tiny little... Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. It's just like bringing back a memory for you, too, like those tiny boxes of like Kellogg's brand cereal. 100%. They had them when I was at space camp. They had them when I was away at basketball camp. It seemed like, to to piggyback on what you're saying, it was like, kids are at camp. Get the mini cereal boxes. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I don't really go to big box grocery stores. So I don't know if the natural markets I shop at have those. I guess I take that back. I do go to some like, quote, standard grocery stores, but they're still like a little on the more posh side of it versus like thinking about a standard grocery store that might have stuff like that. I also don't really like look in the cereal aisle that much. I'll go immediately to like the natural collection of cereals, which they don't have those many boxes, right? So I don't know for sure if they still make those, but I remember just having those as a kid and they only had like one or two of each flavor. And one of the other campers took the flavor of cereal that I wanted. And I was like really disappointed. So all that to say that I remember that camping experience. And then I really think the only other time I stayed in a tent, Jason, was with you that one night during the lightning in a bottle experience that we had, which for those that don't know, it, it's like a multi-day music and arts festival. Is a festival the right term for that? Yeah, it definitely is a festival. It's music, art, food, consciousness, meditation, breath work. It's kind of a mishmash of like DJs, live bands, body painting, organic food, drug use. Yeah. So it's like Burning Man-esque, but not as severe of conditions in a desert. Generally, they have it in like park and campgrounds around LA. And LIB is fun. I actually kind of miss the festival thing, Whitney, being that I haven't been to one of those in a few years. And as a tangent, it always does feel kind of like adult camping. But yeah, it's funny you bring back these camp memories because I'm now thinking about all of my camp experiences as a kid and just some really funny, crazy situations. It's just interesting. You simply bringing up tiny boxed cereals from our childhood is now flooding all these memories back. I hope the listener is experiencing that too. It's funny. I wonder why I haven't done much camping. I I think I've been curious of it. I haven't intentionally avoided it. And I'm really excited to go on this trip because I'm going to be camping in my car. And in my Tesla Model 3, they have a camp mode. And it's actually fascinating because for me being such a planner and researcher, I've been trying to prep myself as much as possible. And haven't found that much helpful information. So I'm looking forward to documenting the experience. So if you're curious about what my trip is going to be like, there will be videos and social media posts. We're going to do a whole episode about it. I'm probably going to write some blog posts. And I just want to share tips because I want like more detailed summaries and tips. And I find those 
are hard to find. But granted, SEO plays a huge role in that, which means that like when you search for something, unless you're willing to really go down the rabbit hole, you might not find what you're looking for. And I bet you there's some more information if I spent more time searching for it. But anyways, I'm looking forward to trying that. And actually tonight, as of the day that we're recording this, I am going to do a trial run of camp mode in my driveway, (laughs) which I haven't even had time or given the time to think too much about. All I know is what time I'm going to get there and I'm going to like configure the bed situation, which is not ideal. I really wanted this Tesla mattress and I'm still holding out hope that it'll come through, but the company has not really been the best about communicating with me. And so I don't know if I'm going to get this mattress in time for my trip, which stresses me out a little bit. So tonight I'm using plan B, which is to use like this fairly large mat that is designed, I think, for animals. And so it's used for a dog. I guess. And I washed it last night and I'm going to sleep on that. It's not quite the length of my body. So and then I have to figure out, all right, is the pillow going to compensate for how it doesn't reach my neck? Like there's like all those little minute details. And then like this mat is actually cool because it doesn't take up a lot of space. It's very thin, but I hope that it'll be not too thin (laughs) that I can comfortably sleep on it. So tonight is the big test and I'm like giving myself a full eight hours to get rest, to settle in, but I don't want to give myself too much time because I don't know if I'll be able to sleep that full eight hours. And then, yeah, we'll see how camp mode goes. And for me, I just don't know how much battery it's going to drain from my car. That's part of the experience. I don't know what the sound is going to be like in there. I'm bringing in my white noise machine and hopefully that'll work well. So there's a lot that I'm going to figure out tonight. And once I've done that, I think I'll feel a little bit more confident about the trip. My friend is actually going to be camping in Jason's tent next to my car on the trip. And I feel a little bad about it because I'm going to be in like this air conditioned car with like a mattress pad and maybe some more noise blockage from just simply being in a car, plus being more protected from the elements, perhaps. But then a part of me feels like that's like kind of like glamping, sleeping in a Tesla versus a tent. So uh, yeah, but my friend like doesn't seem to care. I think she's going to be fine. And hopefully your camping equipment, Jason, stands the test of time for her. I hope so too. And I think what comes up, Whitney, in my mind and maybe the listener's mind, because I haven't actually asked you this, and it might seem like I don't know, an obvious question, maybe a little bit, is with all of the options to get back to the East, which there's not a ton of options, but it's basically like road trip or flying. At the beginning of this episode, you talked about you taking so much on and not too much, but maybe feeling a little stressed, feeling a little overwhelmed. The past few episodes, we've talked about stress and anxiety and overwhelm. And so in the listener's mind, they might be like, why aren't you just flying back East? Like, why put yourself through all this? So my curiosity, and this is maybe a multi-layered question, is why did you choose to do a cross-country road trip versus just taking your dog Evie and flying back east? And also the safety considerations with each one, because there's been some interesting articles. There was one that came out on jalopnik.com. We'll link to that in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's our website. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can click on the podcast section, the global nav at the top of the website. It'll take you to the show notes for this episode. And in this article, it was talking about the pros and cons versus flying versus road tripping. And there was a lot of negative feedback in this article in the comment section, not the actual article. But the comments, people are like, the best thing to do is not travel at all, blah, 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 blah. And there were just a lot of really kind of like fearful negative comments. So all of that is to ask Whitney, 
why do this in a car? And why didn't you just choose to get a cheap ass ticket and fly back? Well, first of all, I wonder why you didn't send me that article because I've been trying to read up about this. And actually, most of what I've read and most of what I've heard from people that have traveled is that it's been a good experience. I've had a few friends that have done road trips and they all returned safely and had nothing but positive things to say about it. So that gave me confidence. And I found a really great article on Refinery29, which I can link to as well, about road tripping. And they interviewed a bunch of different people about road trips. And every part that I've read has been very encouraging. So there's that side of it. There's certainly concerns. I'm not going on this trip thinking it's going to be easy or fully safe. Certainly not. I have traveled cross-country a few times, including once with you, Jason, round trip from LA back to the East Coast and then back again to LA. So I feel confident about that part. I've never taken my car, the Tesla, this far. The farthest that I've been was my road trip with Jason last year in 2019, which was 1,000 miles versus 3,000 miles. So I've done about a third of this trip and my car was great. Fingers crossed. Any car could have problems, but electric cars feel like there's a little bit more at risk there. So I'm getting my car looked at in just a few days, actually. And just to make sure it's in good shape. And there's a chance like, what if they discover something's really wrong with the car and I can't take the trip with it or I have to delay the trip? I don't know. That's a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen. In terms of why drive instead of flying? Well, tickets are very cheap to fly, but frankly, I feel very uncomfortable flying, wearing a mask for probably what would be 10 hours straight does not sound pleasant to me. And I'm not trying to complain. I'm a big advocate for wearing masks, but I have never worn a mask for that long of time. And that I get uncomfortable wearing my mask just even for a few minutes, like just breathing (laughs) into your mask can be unpleasant. And then, you know, taking walks, I feel uncomfortable with it, trying to talk to people. In general, I get a lot of anxiety about flying. I get anxiety about planning and anticipating. I just like all the details, all of the like, things that could potentially go wrong, all the unexpected costs that could happen. I mean, like the anxiety I have getting to the airport in time and checking in and then going through security and then getting to the gate and then getting to your seat and settling into your seat and feeling comfortable. And then I usually have a window seat. So then I'm always concerned about like getting to the bathroom and climbing over other people. And then when I arrive, (laughs) my luggage arrive on time. When's that going to happen? Then how do I get home from, you know, it's like all of those things, like basically my mind doesn't shut off for most of that trip. And that is so exhausting. So if I'm going to have my mind on most of the time, I'd rather be in the car driving where I feel like I have a little bit more control and won't have to wear my mask most of the time. I will be bringing my mask. I will have to take other types of precautions that I might not have to on the plane. And of course, the trip is a lot longer. Instead of 10 hours, it's 10 days. We could have done it a lot faster. We could have probably done it in four or five days. But we're estimating 10 days so that we can enjoy ourselves along the way. And then in terms of the safety of it, to your point, Jason, like I've heard very similar things about flying versus driving. When you're flying, you're sitting in a enclosed space with tons of strangers versus me sitting in the car with a friend of mine who I've had a lot of deep conversations about what she's doing. We're getting COVID tests ahead of time. So I'm going to know our results and fingers crossed we're both negative. I know that she's being mindful versus like all these other strangers on a plane. I've heard the airlines 
sometimes pack the flights full. So you might have someone sitting directly next to you for a six-hour flight. That does not sound pleasant to me. And then in terms of the things that I could get exposed to, like with charging my car and going to the bathrooms and getting food or all those other things, certainly I have a lot higher chance because I'll be traveling for 10 days. So I might get more exposed. But in the airline, again, <laughs> you're stuck with those people that whole time and they're breathing through the air. The air is being circulated. There's all these surfaces to touch. And then the airline experience I've heard is completely different than it used to be. And that uncertainty makes me feel uncomfortable. So long story short, I've weighed out all the pros and cons. And lastly, the simplest answer is that I love driving cross country. I've been wanting to drive cross country with my car. I've been wanting to camp in my car. And it just felt like this was the most enjoyable way for me to get back to see my family. And ultimately, that's really important to me. As long as I know I'm taking the best care of my health and not exposing them, which is possibility. But in terms of how I'm going to be mindful, I mean, even if I flew, that would be a actually, again, like I could fly and still expose them just as easily as driving. So my plan in terms of protecting my parents, mainly who I'll be staying with, is luckily they have a horse barn. So coming back to the horse conversation, there is a room in the horse barn that I can sleep in. It has a bed and I can sleep in there self-quarantine myself. It's got a bed, a bathroom, a sink. It's got some places to make food so I can have like kind of a glamping experience in there. And then I'm going to get a COVID test as soon as possible. And once I get a negative result, fingers crossed, then I can go into the main house and be with my parents. So I have obviously thought about all these things and I'm bringing a lot of really cool things with me to protect myself. So I have a set of reusable masks and I'm getting inserts for them. The masks that I have are from this wonderful brand called Canopy Verde and they have little pockets in them that you can insert filters. So I'm also getting filters to put inside there and then I'll remove those at the end of the day or if, if there's ever ma major exposure, I can swap those out at any point and wash the masks by hand. They dry really quickly. So I'll have two of those with me and I'll wash them, one of them or both of them at the end of each night and dry them while I'm sleeping. And because we're traveling during the summer, the mask will probably dry in a matter of hours. And then I have really cool gloves from this company called Eco Gloves and they're compostable, disposable gloves. And they come in little tiny packs and you put them on just like any type of disposable gloves. And I can use those at the Tesla charging stations or any other place where they, I might be in touch with more people. I have hand sanitizer, of course, which I will use a lot. And those three things are the main suggestions in every article I've read, including the CDC, in terms of how to protect yourself while traveling. And of course, washing your hands. And one of the coolest things that I have for this trip is called Suds to Go. And that is a special water bottle that has a soap dispenser on one side. And so you actually dispense soap in your hand and then turn the bottle over and rinse your hands and you have your own portable hand washing station to take in your car. So I actually might not have to use hand sanitizer that much because I'll be able to bring a hand washing station around with me everywhere I go. I mean, you're telling me about stuff that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know about this before the trip. So that's part of the fun. <laughs> 
I feel like it's a really cool sort of confluence of your tech geekery, your eco-mindedness, and your desire to be prepared as hell for things. It's kind of just interesting to see your process in real time, Whitney. The other thing, too, that came up for me as you were talking about the difference between going on a commercial flight versus obviously taking your car cross country. There's been some really fascinating images coming out online about the movie theaters reopening. You and I are huge, huge fans of going out to the movies. Some of our favorite movie theaters are here in LA where we live. And I've actually been super geeked for the movie Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie to finally come out. And apparently it is coming out, I think next week, September 3rd. Yeah. Or at the time of this recording, of course. And it's been a little bit concerning to me, and this ties back into the commercial flying thing, of the disinfectants that the commercial airlines and the movie theaters in these public spaces are using for the seating surfaces and anywhere that there's going to be human contact. So I went down the rabbit hole a little bit, and I just wanted to throw this out there for you, Whitney, and the dear listener, in case you are thinking about doing a commercial flight or any of the movie theaters. There was an article on boxofficepro.com about theater sanitation measures. We'll link to that again in the show notes at wellevator.com. Our website is w-e-l-l-e-v-a-t-r.com. And you go a little bit deeper into a resource about the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, has a list of recommended and approved disinfectants for airlines and movie theaters and public spaces that have been found to be effective against COVID-19. So you dig a little bit deeper, right? And there's layers to this because you pull up the EPA article and it gives you a list N, which is products that are effective against emerging viral pathogens and human coronavirus. And I don't know the effects of these ingredients. I think I need to do a layer deeper of research, but it lists things like quaternary ammonium and hypochlorous acid. I've never heard of that. Oh, well, there's one thing I recognize, hydrogen peroxide, phenolic. So there's 486 different chemical combinations that apparently are approved. Now, my concern is this with this conversation with that goes back again to commercial flights, taking trains, taking public transportation is we don't know what these chemicals are going to do to our body unless we go and research them and then cross-reference it against what are the airlines, movie theater change, transportation companies using. And it's a bit of a catch-22, right? Because on one hand, you want the economy to restart. There are certain aspects of industry and business and travel and connection that humans are really excited to get back. To. We want some semblance of, quote, normalcy in life. But I guess it's part of a bigger conversation with that I'm concerned about what measures are we going to take to, quote, protect ourselves from COVID, but what risk are we posing to our own health to try and protect ourselves against getting sick from COVID, right? It's a tough compromise. All of this is to say you really kind of don't have to worry about that by taking your own car. But it does concern me the idea of going back to the movies, taking flights again, these public spaces, because who knows what chemicals they're going to be using. Absolutely. And that is another concern. It's like, for me, having a controlled environment, I certainly could have flown to see my parents. But remember that I would have to get to the airport. Hopefully someone I know would drop me off. But then I wouldn't want my parents to pick me up from the airport because I need to go to quarantine. So I'd have to take some sort of shuttle or bus or something that I don't even know for sure if they're still running the one that I used to take. So then I'm sitting with another group of strangers and another transportation source that might have chemicals. And then if I needed to, 
rent a car again like actually the more I think about it it would have been very complicated for me to fly because I would have had to take that shuttle which would drop me off like 30 minutes from my parents and then probably rent a car from there to get to my parents a lot of the car companies are using all sorts of chemicals to clean their cars too right now and maybe this stuff has always happened in some capacity it's it might not be brand new but I agree with your point Jason that I think they're going like on a more intentional cleaning spree right now in any type of exposed environment. And I worry too about the long-term impacts about that stuff. So yeah, there's a lot to weigh out. And I, no wonder that article says it's best to just stay home. But this is the other thing is that we've been dealing with COVID since February, March in the US and Los Angeles. We got really serious in kind of mid-March, maybe early March. There was awareness of it, but mid-March, it was like, okay, this is a really big deal. And now we are at the end of August. And I'm not one of those people who thinks like, I'm over COVID, so I'm just going to go live my life. Like, certainly not. But my parents have basically been begging me to visit. They're worried about COVID. And I think that they are valuing the time with their family so much more because A, they're getting older, so that's always a concern. But B, I think like mortality is more in our face right now. And we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when I'll get another opportunity to see them. And I have been thinking a lot about how important family is to me. And so another huge reason that I'm taking my car is so I can go out there for as long as I want to and decide when I come back. And so I'm actually going out there on an on a open-ended trip. The only thing that's pressing for me, honestly, is the election. I would like to be back in Los Angeles for the election so I can make sure I properly vote. I actually will probably look into getting an absentee vote just in case. I have to look into the whole process of voting right now and want to make sure that I'm very intentional about that. But aside from the election, I'm not in a big rush to come back to Los Angeles. And that is a luxury that you get through driving somewhere versus if I was flying, I could buy a one-way ticket, but it gets a little bit more complicated trying to fly back and all those other variables. So driving there gives me that flexibility and a lot more control, as you're saying, versus me being exposed to all sorts of strangers, being exposed to however they're cleaning their stuff. And I get to keep six feet distance, hopefully, from any stranger where I might not have that option on some of these other transportation methods. It's always, I think, at moments, for me at least, with you mentioned the road trip that we did last year, but also that you and I back mm, seven years ago did a cross-country road trip. And I've done three full cross-country road trips now, and probably will do one more before it's all said and done at least. And for me, I've had trouble with sleep, even at home. I've had insomnia issues on and off for the last four years. For me in particular, I've noticed that when I'm on a road trip and I'm camping or on one road trip I did back, wow, in my old Honda Prelude, which was a coupe, by the way, so there was no back seat to sleep in. I actually just reclined the front seat and slept in the front seat overnight on one cross-country road trip I did. And sleep's always been an issue for me. It's like, oh, I don't have my bed. I'm used to my bed. I'm used to my home environment. I'm curious if you anticipate you're going to have sleep issues, you know, being in your car. I know you're doing the test run tonight in your driveway. But if so, like you mentioned the white noise machine, like what are some of the other steps that you're going to take to like try and ensure that you have a good night's sleep on this road trip? And are you worried you might not? I'm not that worried because typically 
I sleep really well when I'm tired. So I don't have too many issues falling asleep or staying asleep. Noise is usually a concern. So I'll have that wonderful electro fan, assuming it works. Again, we'll find out tonight, but that's USB powered. So my car in camp mode, I believe, should power a USB device throughout the night. And yeah, that's just one thing I'm testing. And then I'm going to bring my sleep phones, which we talked about in another episode, which you can put over your head and play any type of audio you want, such as a white noise track. So I'll have that around just in case I need it, plus some earplugs for a worst case scenario. I don't usually sleep with those or find them the best. I really appreciate white noise. I'm also trying to rig up a, well, I will have to, but (laughs) I actually shouldn't say have to. I would really like to rig up a curtain system in the car. Another thing that I'm waiting to find out is the same company that makes the Tesla mattress I really want. I asked if if I could get the privacy screen from them, which is designed specifically for giving you privacy, but also blocking out some light so that you can sleep well. But I don't know if that's going to happen. And the good news is that my travel companion and I are going to sleep when it's dark and get up when it's early. So actually, in anticipation for this trip, I've been getting up at 6 a.m. every day to prepare myself for getting up when the sun rises and it rises somewhere around 6 a.m. most days, or (laughs) I should say this time of year. Every day, it's pretty consistent. So prepping myself to fall asleep by 10 o'clock and get up at 6 a.m. will make sure that I'm on that sleep rhythm. And then the one thing I've got to figure out is like the bathroom situation. We did actually get What's really cool and fun is the female urination devices, which are basically these cups that women can use to urinate like a man would do standing up. And as you know, Jason, a lot of men will just pee on the side of the road or wherever. And so since we're going to be in camping places, we could just kind of go off into the acceptable area. Or if we need to use some sort of public restroom, at least we don't have to sit in the toilet seat. So hopefully that shouldn't be an issue because I always like to pee before I go to sleep. So that doesn't keep me up. And then lastly, I have been taking magnesium for years to help me sleep. And that makes a huge difference. I started taking a few nights ago the magnesium from our sponsor by Optimizers. And it is wonderful. It has helped me sleep so well. And magnesium, I find, because it relaxes the body, relaxes the muscles, it really helps with stress, reducing cortisol levels. It kind of just puts you in a more peaceful state. And because your muscles are relaxed, you have a tendency to sleep better too. So that's kind of like my secret, (laughs) which I'm letting you all in on here today is taking some magnesium supplements for bed is really, really helpful. So I'll have those with me. A little sip of water, not too much. So I have to pee in the middle of the night. And I, I think with all of that, the white noise, blocking out light or sleeping during the dark and getting up at sunrise, having the magnesium and then just being as comfortable as I can, I feel pretty confident that I'm gonna sleep well. That's great. And with a magnesium, are you only doing it before bedtime or are you also taking it like throughout the day? Like what's your dosage of it? I haven't thought about that. I currently take it right before bed. That's been my routine for years. And again, I recently switched over to buy optimizers because we are fortunate enough to have them sponsoring this episode and a few episodes. They sent us their amazing products and I've actually been taking their digestive enzymes. We've talked about their gluten guardian. I'm going to have that with me during the trip. They have some probiotics that I'll be taking. like Actually, all their products are going to be really helpful for my trip because just keeping my body in in great shape 
where I can feel the least stressed possible. I did not think about taking the magnesium at different times of the day. I think just because I'm used to taking it before bed and I need to stay like super alert since I'll be doing all the driving. My friend that I'm traveling with does not drive. So she's truly there to keep me company and enjoy the experience with me. And I'll be in charge of all the driving and thus having a fair amount of caffeine. Sleeping is so important. I need to make sure I rest well. And that's one of the huge benefits of taking magnesium is it it promotes restful sleep. So hopefully if everything works out right, I'll like sleep like a baby (laughs) and wake up super energized. So yeah, I don't know. Do you take magnesium at different times of the day, Jason? I don't think we've ever talked about this. I have taken magnesium in conjunction with some other supplements to actually help maintain regularity. So there was like a CalMag shot that I used to make sometimes when I would get constipated. And I've noticed that as a side benefit, magnesium helps with regularity. I've noticed for me. So generally, I'll take it right before bedtime because as you mentioned, I notice it lowers cortisol, helps with my central nervous system. And as a side benefit, we mentioned in a previous episode, helps with blood flow to all of the parts of the body. So it's great for heart health and vascular health. But during the daytime, yeah, I've used it actually as a supplement to help with regularity, Whitney. The other thing too, and I heard this years ago, I wanted to put this out. And I don't know if you've ever heard this wit. And I think it was, yeah, there's an article on wellandgood.com. We'll link to in the show notes at wellevator.com. Again, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That caffeine and coffee can have a potentially deleterious effect on your magnesium level. So there's some research studies that show that when you drink coffee, your intestinal lining has a drop in its ability to absorb magnesium. So you might want to take extra magnesium, Whitney. And the cool thing I think about the bio-optimizers formula is that it has seven different forms of magnesium in it, which is different than most formulas, which are only one or two. So it's going to be interesting to see with magnesium breakthrough If you're doing caffeine, maybe you're going to take extra to compensate for the caffeine affecting your intestinal lining and perhaps making it not easier to absorb. So maybe you bombarding that and using the bio-optimizer supplement because from what we've seen, and it's really the most complete magnesium supplement out there. I've never seen one that has all seven forms. So you might want to like go a little bit heavy on that and just to see like how that combats the caffeine intake. So I just thought I would put that out there. I always like to insert some nutrition geekery in every episode. That's actually very good to know. I don't want my coffee being taken away from me because I enjoy it so much. Although on this trip, I will be a little out of my routine. There are two types of coffee that I'll be having. One is a pre-made coffee latte from Elmhurst, which is a brand that we really love. And also I'm bringing some instant coffee just to make it super easy. I actually don't know off the top of my head if that works with both cold and hot water. Imagine cold water too. I'll have my little whisk with me, my... um motorized whisk. So that's my backup in case like we run out of the coffee lattes or just want a different form. I'm also going to have this really cool brand called Celsius, which makes these energizing caffeinated drinks. And they're so delicious. They're sending me their peach mango green tea, which I love so much. It peps me up, like perks me up, peps and perks. It gives me energy really quickly in a different way than coffee does. And I'm also going to have peak tea, P-I-Q-U-E tea, their jasmine tea, which I love. It's 
one of the most incredible tasting jasmine teas I've ever had. It's all organic. It comes in these instant packets, these tiny little packs. All you do is add it to water. It's not a tea bag. And that can actually be added to cold or hot water. So that'll be convenient. A number of different forms of caffeine to keep me alert. But I just love the taste of all of those things too. So that's good to know about magnesium. I wonder, if, is that true, you think, with caffeine in general or specifically coffee, Jason? Specifically in this Well and Good article, they interviewed a gastroenterologist and it mentioned coffee specifically. So I don't know if it's something endemic to the coffee bean that causes this potential blockage of absorption of magnesium. But just in case, Whitney, like I said, you may as well take some extra dosages of magnesium breakthrough during the day and see how you feel. Or maybe like right after you drink the coffee, just take one or two and see how it does. I'd be curious to see if it makes any difference in how you feel. And for the listener, if you have never tried any kind of magnesium supplement before, we wholeheartedly recommend Bio-Optimizers. Whitney has already had experience with it. She's going to be passing some my way this afternoon. And if you want to take advantage, we have a special coupon code just here on the podcast for you to save 10% on your order. If you want to try their magnesium breakthrough, their HCL, their amazing proteolytic enzymes, all the products that we've been experimenting with and loving so far, we have a special website set up and a code that we will share with you right now and at the end of the episode. And the website is B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S. It's biooptimizers with one O.com slash Wellevator. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And when you go there, just enter the coupon code Wellevator10, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R-1-0, and you will save 10% on your entire order. So also, Whitney, the thing about the road trip too, I mentioned sort of my constipation thing and using magnesium for constipation. I don't recall, (laughs) I was about to say, there's no such thing as TMI here on this might get uncomfortable, but I remember one of my biggest concerns on the three cross-country road trips that we were taking, other than say like back pain and stiffness, from driving too long was getting really constipated. I've noticed that my regularity on trips in general, but especially road trips, gets pretty dramatically affected. I'm curious if you anticipate that that might be something, again, that could be a concern for you. And if you want to use the magnesium to try and maintain regularity, because it's been awesome for me. Well, I have been thinking about that. I usually don't have that issue that you have. I love traveling with a squatty potty, but I'm not sure that that's going to come in much handy because I'm literally going to be squatting, I imagine, in the woods. (laughs) So I actually just borrowed a little shovel today because... (laughs) You have to dig a hole or put it in some sort of bag. So I'm going to learn a lot about going to the bathroom in nature this trip. Wait, wait. You borrowed a poop shovel from someone? (laughs) I mean, it's a gardening shovel. But yeah, I mean, it's not going to hopefully touch my poop. It'll just be used to dig the hole and then cover it up. Do they know that you're going to use it to scoop poop? I'm not sure. I decided to leave that part out, um, but it will be thoroughly cleaned before it's returned. Or maybe I'll let them know what it was used for. And and if they ask me to replace it, I will. But it was more just convenience. I didn't want to have to go buy a shovel in the midst of all this stuff I have to do. So yes, I believe that you just have to dig like six to eight inches and you can bury it. But I have to double check all the regulations about defecating in nature. I'm also going to have my dog's waste bag. So I wonder if those would suffice. I know that if you do put it in a trash can, it has to be like a certain type, which most camping sites have. So I'm going to learn all about that. Thank goodness I'm traveling with a friend who's had some experience. And then, yeah, the squatty potty is great. Like when I'm actually using the toilet, I won't be using it in public restrooms, but I'll use it at my parents' place. It folds up and I'm just so used to using squatty potties these days. I don't like being without one. In terms of supplements, actually, I know you didn't mean for this, Jason, but Bio Optimizers has 
was a constipation supplement that they gave us as well. I have not tried it because I haven't been constipated, but I'll probably take a few of those with me. It's like, I think it's called Consticlense. I don't have it right in front of me at the moment, but I believe it's meant to cleanse your body so that you're no longer constipated. And I'll bring that along with the magnesium. Generally, coffee and magnesium do the trick for me, though. I have not had a problem in a long time going to the bathroom regularly. In fact, that's more of the concern that waking up and needing to use the restroom right away and trying to figure out where that's going to be and being the early mornings. Usually, I don't have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and maybe pee, but generally, I can hold both types of elimination during the night. So we'll see. It's nature. So I'm not the only one that has this question and I know I'll figure it out and I'm not concerned. I think really staying hydrated is one of the biggest keys and not like going too far off my diet. As I mentioned, I'm grateful to have the bioptimizers enzymes for both most food plus gluten-based food if I choose to have any of that. That can tend to mess up my digestion a little if I don't take enzymes. And then the probiotics really help keep my digestion on track too. So honestly, (laughs) it's perfect timing that we're working with bioptimizers because I will be able to take all these different products for different reasons. And I can't wait to report back because I feel like that's going to be quite the testimonial (laughs) for them. And then in terms of being hydrated, I'm super excited because I'm going to be bringing multiple water bottles. I'll, I'll fill up with filtered water before we leave Los Angeles. And hopefully we'll find some other filtered water along the way, but I'm not counting on it. I guess it'll depend on the campsites. It'll it'll depend on if we go to restaurants. It's just going to be different. I haven't traveled during COVID yet. And then we also are bringing Life Straw with us, which is a brand that I've been using for the past few years. They make these really thick straws that filter out viruses and bacteria out of water. And they're so effective that some people drink out of streams with them. You can take them to different countries. They don't filter out viruses as far as I'm aware, but they filter out most major things that would be of concern. So as long as for me, like I'm going to try to get the best quality water no matter what. The life straw is just kind of like an extra form of safety. And then we will have cans of mad tasty sparkling water, which do not replace pure water, but it's nice to have to stay hydrated. And the mad tasty sparkling waters are unsweetened and contain CBD, which will be good for keeping my stress at bay as well. So yeah, I mean, I've really tried to think of everything. here. And even though this trip has developed very quickly, I'm kind of amazed at what I've been able to figure out in just about a week since I started planning this trip. All right. So two other questions that have come up. One, are you, and I almost slipped and gave away the travel companion. I'm glad I caught myself. That's a secret that will be revealed in a future episode. (laughs) Our special featured guest on the road trip. For you and her, have you both discussed strategically stopping at specific restaurants on the way? Like One of the things that, Whitney, I know you're super passionate about, as am I, as is our mutual friend who's coming with you, about trying either favorite restaurants that we've loved from the past or new ones ones you've never tried before. So have you laid out that part of it in terms of where you're going to be dining out? 
Not yet because I started talking about this earlier and, and got off track, but my friend and our mutual friend, Jason and mine, she volunteered to do that work and seems excited about doing that, but she hasn't been able to do it yet because she's been traveling for the past week. And so she'll be in Los Angeles today and she's going to start researching restaurants and helping figure out where we're going to camp. We're going to be using Hip Camp and a few other websites to find camping and reserve that. And then I think once we've reserved those areas, Areas, we'll have a better idea of like where we're going to be and when, and then we can determine what restaurants we could potentially stop at. I'm kind of unattached. Personally, I would rather not go to restaurants. Certainly, we would get takeout or dine outdoors, like be really cautious of that. But that puts us in more contact with other people. So I tried to get some dehydrated food from a few brands, but neither one of them came through. A, because we've only had a week to plan this and B, because most of the camping food companies are out of stock because a lot of people are either camping or buying that food to have at their house as part of their emergency preparedness. So <laughs> that was the hardest thing to get, actually. And I might like go to a store and try to buy some like camping store or something. Or we could just use dehydrated products. Like I love the brand Dr. McDougal's. And Jason knows this. He likes to laugh about it because it's kind of like old school vegan food. But they have little cups with dehydrated food and you just pour hot water in them. But that adds another issue that I have not figured out yet, which is where do we get the boiling water from? <laughs> So that I don't know. And I have two ideas for that. One is there are a few electric kettles that you can plug into the 12 volt, aka cigarette adapter spot in the car. But the kettles are a little on the pricey side, usually around like $50. And none of them seem that great. The other is, I'll have to pull up what it's called, but it's like an electric coil. It's like a stainless steel coil that you can, again, plug into that 12 volt part of your car and stick into water and it heats it up. Those are really inexpensive. They're like 10 to $15. But a lot of people complain that they're not that powerful. There's been a lot of like iffy reviews. I'm willing to roll the dice. So I'm probably going to get one of those just because they're so inexpensive. And then the thing that I really want that I don't think is going to happen is there's this company called Cauldron who makes like the coolest smart mug. And it's basically a really large size travel mug that you can heat up coffee in, tea, boil water, as well as heat up foods like soups in it. And it has an adapter to blend ice. It's really cool. It's all battery powered and there's a special charger for the car. And I reached out to them to see if I could get one in time and I'm waiting to hear back. I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but it's really, really neat. And on the same note, on the opposite end of the spectrum, it certainly would be cool to bring fresh food with us. And then if we did go to a restaurant or a grocery store to pack like prepared foods. But the trick is going on a camping trip, we're not going to have access to freezers. Typically, when I've traveled, I've stayed in hotels or Airbnbs. And so you can get a refrigerator and a freezer from the hotel or house that you're in. But since we're not doing that, we can't like continuously freeze ice packs and use a cooler. However, there are now travel refrigerators and coolers that you can get. And that's also another thing that I've been considering is getting one of those and trying to decide like, do I want to spend the money on it? I'm leaning towards yes, because I'd kind of rather have a cooler than like a heating mechanism. Because again, like we could just stock up at a couple different grocery stores along the way and have 
tons of fresh food. And if the cooler works well enough, which I, based on the reviews I've read, it will, then we could have fresh food at our hands throughout the whole trip. And I think that's something I would use a lot because like I said, I like to road trip and just like in general, being in the car with transportation and stuff, how many times are you like, oh, how do I keep something cool from the grocery store? Or you're driving an hour and you need it to stay cool. I just think that's pun intended and lack of a better word, cool to have a car-based cooler. So that's part of the fun of this trip too, is a lot of these things I'm trying to think long-term, how I would use them and is there an actual investment worth making, something that I could use for a long time and be multi-purpose. All right, I'm going to get into dad mode for a second. Okay. So two things. Are you packing a basic first aid kit with any kind of ointment, band-aids, gauze, scissors, things like that? And second, this is over the, not even just road trips, but just summertime travel in general. It seems that whatever arm is facing the sun gets an inordinate amount more sun exposure than whatever part of your body or the other arm is on the interior of the car. So are you bringing sunblock? Are you using a sunshade? How are you going to compensate the so that you or our dear friend, your passenger, is not going to get burned depending on which way the sun is facing. So yeah, first aid kit and then sun or burn protection. Well, of course, I've thought about that as well. So I don't have tinted windows on my car and I thought about getting them. It's not enough time. They're also quite expensive and there's all sorts of regulations about how tinted your windows are and all that stuff. So I, for lack of time and money and research, I didn't do that. And instead, I'm getting sent some sunshades that you can put on the windows of the car. And a brand is sending them to me to try out. I haven't received them yet, so I'm not going to say who the brand is because who knows, it might not even happen. So I I will reveal that information in our follow-up episode. But yes, there there are a number of companies that make sunshades, and I think that'll help a lot. In terms, what was the first part of the question? It was about a basic first aid kit. Oh, yes, absolutely. Band-aids, gauze, the basic basic first aid enchilada. <laughs> yep. So I actually have a number of those. I have a ton of band-aids and I have the gauze. I think I have that in my car already. I have to double check that actually. Thanks for the reminder. But I have like more band-aids than I know what to do with and little first aid kits and sewing kits and that sort of thing. I also am going to be bringing mace with me, speaking of safety, just in case we need it traveling as two women. And I have a whole like check-in system that I'll use to touch base with friends and family to let them know where I am and make sure that we get to each destination. I'm going to have location services turned on. And Jason, you're welcome to be part of my small group of friends who could just check in and see where I am out of curiosity slash concern. And then I even found a flight attendant who was talking about how she prepared a emergency information document to give to her loved ones that contains like vital information about herself in case anything happened like she disappeared. And the reason being that, of course, when you travel, there's always a chance that something really bad happens. And if you give people identifying information, they might be able to track you down a lot faster. So she actually had this wonderful list of all of the information to provide somebody so that if they needed to enlist the police, for example, the police would have access and you wouldn't be scrambling 
to find this information because during any crime, time is of the essence. So if, if that can be provided right up front, they might be able to locate you a little quicker, which let's hope I don't run into that issue. But in general, I actually think that's an important thing to do in terms of emergency preparedness. Anything could happen to us at any time. And like you're saying, Jason, travel is a concern at any time, not just during a pandemic. Like dangerous things happen, mistakes, accidents happen. And those things can happen when we're at home as well. Like we're unfortunately never truly safe from those dangers. They're kind of looming over us. And that was part of the reason. I'm doing this is like, I trust that things are going to be okay. I'm doing my research. I'm trying to think of all these different scenarios. And I'm also just trying to live my life when I have it and spend time with the people I care about while they're around. None of us are promised anything. So I think we do have to take risks. And this trip doesn't feel that risky to me, but there are certainly some scenarios that are unknown. And I'm just going to do my best to take great care of my body and my safety throughout the way. Well said. And how many days are you anticipating that this will take? As I mentioned, about 10 days. I'll be figuring that out in the next couple days. We'll be planning out the whole trip and where we're going to stop along the way. So I wanted to stay open too. Like what if we're having so much fun, we want to stay an extra day somewhere. That would be beautiful. Like I don't normally have that experience. Or maybe we're not enjoying it anymore and we want to wrap it up sooner. Like That's what's kind of cool about taking a road trip is you can kind of be flexible. And so my friend and I have put aside, I think, 15 days total. Well, not like for the whole trip, but like maybe if we leave earlier or later than planned, we have some flexibility there. So yeah, we'll see. Again, some of those things to be determined and shared in that upcoming road trip summary podcast we're going to do plus the video. So I'll be doing content about this trip to share with you if you like to see the visuals or the photos and the videos of the experiences. And I'll be talking about all the products and my experiences with those and all the sites that I'm seeing so that even if you're choosing not to travel right now, you can still kind of live vicariously. I certainly love watching travel videos and uh, try not to get jealous, but like feel inspired by them or grateful that I can see things that I might not choose to do or places to go. So consider this, dear listener, the trailer for the upcoming road trip that Whitney's going to be on. This is the equivalent of the movie trailer. So we're teasing you. We're giving you a preview. And when Whitney is there and on the way back, we're going to give you all the details. And I am like a little bit envious, Whitney. I wish I could just kind of origami fold myself and just stow away in your trunk. But I've got other things that need to be tended to in LA. But I will also, as you said, be living vicariously through your experience. So on that note, as we are getting toward the finish line of this episode, I want to do any uh, brand shout outs off the top of our dome and get to a few of our frequent asked queries before we wrap up. So first brand I want to give a shout out to that I actually shot a commercial for this week. And in an upcoming episode, once the commercial is done, we'll probably link to it in the show notes. It's probably going to be done in a couple of weeks, but I shot a commercial for Outstanding Foods and our friends, uh, Bill Glazer and Dave Anderson run this company and they make the pig out pigless pork rinds. And they're made from a blend of pea protein and spices. There's uh, 25 grams of protein per three and a half ounce bag. And, and Whitney, they actually sent me a couple of their new and reformulated flavors. So I've been a fan of their stuff. Their original is really good. They have a 
nacho cheese. They have a Texas barbecue that's really smoky and good. But they just sent me their brand new salt and vinegar flavor. And then they reformulated their Hella Hot. And it was interesting because I remember having a conversation with Bill, who's their CEO. I think it was the beginning of this year when we saw him at the Fancy Food Show in San Francisco, which unfortunately was the only trade show of the year that didn't get canceled because it was before the lockdown here. But he was talking about like, oh, how do you like the Hella Hot? I'm like, it's not that hot. Like, I have a high tolerance for heat and spice. And so when I have something that they say is hot, I'm kind of like, man, this isn't really that hot. So they dialed up the tang and the vinegar and the hotness, the spiciness of the Hella Hot, and it's really freaking good now. So I think my two favorite flavors are the Texas barbecue and the Hella Hot just because they're smoky and tangy and spicy. And I just really like that the company keeps on innovating and reformulating and coming out with new things. And I also got a preview that they are coming out with a new product this fall, which apparently is going to be like a multivitamin in snack form. That's all I know. So for me, that's all I can say. I didn't sign an NDA, so I can't really reveal all that much more, but they're really, really cool. And I love that they went for a segment of the market too with that. You don't really think about like vegan pork rinds, and I don't even think there's another brand out there. And previous to this, I think I've only tried pork rinds once, and I think I was like a junior in high school, and I may or may not have been drunk and may or may not have been at a party, but I never was like a big pork rinds fan even when I was eating animal products. So I feel like my experience with them is cool because I'm just appreciating it for what it is. I'm curious. <laughs> You're going to love this inside joke. Have you ever tried pork rinds or their other name, chicharrones? Actual, like non-vegan pork yeah, rinds? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't recall. So there is one other brand that did exist. I don't know if they still do. I think it was called Cracklins and they were vegan pork rinds as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if Outstanding Foods put them out of business <laughs> because Outstanding Foods is such great marketing and flavors and all of that. So yeah, it's it's actually not something you see very frequently. Vegan pork in general is not that popular. I guess bacon. Bacon counts, of course. There's a number of vegan bacon, but still not that much. Like there's so many vegan chicken alternatives and beef and fish even. But pork is still a category that hasn't been like that dominated. Same with seafood. Like there's some vegan seafood, but a lot of it's not great aside from Good Catch, which we love. And Sophie's Kitchen has some great products too. But still, there's a lot of room for innovation in the plant-based world. So it's exciting to see all these developments. All right. So let's do frequently asked queries. What do you got, Wit? What do you got this episode for us? Let's see. I don't know if I have any related to camping or traveling because we haven't talked about it that much. What order do you want to go in? We have serious, interesting, and funny as usual. Let's do serious, funny, then interesting. Serious, funny, interesting. Oh, okay. You're switching it up. I like that. Okay. So serious first. I actually thought this was an interesting thing. I can't remember if we actually brought this up already though, Jason. So forgive me if either this is something people are really interested in and they've asked, they've typed in Google a few times for our show, but CBD for cats with anxiety. I feel like we kind of talked about this already, but I don't know if we are specifically talking about CBD for cats. I think maybe we mentioned it vaguely remember we're 122 episodes deep, so the episodes kind of get a little bit murky and melded together, dear listener. But I think perhaps we were talking about it 
around July 4th and how much anxiety and fear and terror with the fireworks and the fireworks were, at least in my neighborhood in LA, horrific, like extra bad. So I actually ended up giving them, I think the brand was Alpen, A-L-P-E-N. Alpen Organics has a CBD for pets. And I actually gave, I think about 10 to 12 drops to all of my cats and my French Bulldog Bella. And it legitimately made a significant difference. So to the listener, or if the person who typed that query in is listening to the episode, I have found... CBD for dogs and cats very effective in relation to loud noises like fireworks. And again, this year was just, it sounded like a war zone in my neighborhood. So I'm a big, big fan of CBD for companion animals. Absolutely. Yeah, I've used CBD for my dog, Evie, and that seems to work, although not enough where I decided to do it regularly. Well, speaking of animals, the one that I thought was funny, especially because it was very specific, it was put in quotes. And when you put something in quotes into a Google search, that means that you want that exact phrase. And the exact phrase somebody typed in is bulldog cleaner. Bulldog cleaner, meaning a product to clean a bulldog with? Or were they looking for like bulldog skincare for men? (laughs) I don't know. Because they have a body wash. (laughs) It looks like there might be a car and truck wash soap called Bulldog. But it is kind of funny when I went to the website after searching for this myself, they didn't type wash correctly. They just said W-A-S. So it says car and truck was soap. (laughs) So maybe not a big product because if it was, somebody probably would have caught that error. But yeah, I don't see any definitive searches that make me think it's a brand. So I think maybe they were just trying to figure out how to clean their bulldog. Well, here's a funny thing. So I use on my own body, a body wash from a brand called Waleda, W-E-L-E-D-A, Waleda. They've been around for a long time in the natural products industry. And they have a baby body wash and shampoo combo that's like a calendula scent. And when I was going through my years of eczema, it was the only soap that I could find that wasn't irritating my skin because my eczema a few years ago was so bad that any other soap would just irritate and sting my skin. But I actually found that that exact baby soap is good for dish baby. Is good for the baby bulldog. And so I use that same baby soap when I give Bella a bath. And I do the whole Frenchie protocol where I put cotton balls in her ears and those big old radar dishes going to Mars to make sure no water gets in her ears. And so, yeah, so I use the same baby soap for my adult human body as I do for my baby Frenchie. And it works great. Shout out, Waleda. Well, great to know. See, always learning something new. I don't have a ton of interesting queries, believe it or not. I think they've often fell into the funny or serious category. But one I thought is interesting and kind of ties into something we've been talking about today, which is oat milk IPO. And I was briefly talking about oat milk earlier because Elmhurst is sending me their oat milk lattes. But It's been an interesting time for oat milk as we see the market shares growing and how years ago, I remember trying oat milk for the first time and thinking this is revolutionary, but I never expected it to become as big as it has because I just figured it would be the equivalent of almond milks and soy and coconut. Like None of those have gained the traction that oat milk has, and it's pretty outstanding. Most fascinatingly, I don't know, words. 
Oatly, who's kind of the OG and also probably the most well-known brand of oat milk out there. They, at least as far as we could tell, Whitney, having tracked them for the last three to four years, have kind of like kicked off this revolution in the US market. So earlier this year, they raised $200 million in investment capital from Blackstone, which is apparently a huge venture capital firm, and Oprah Winfrey also invested like hundreds of millions of dollars. So they are planning next year in 2021 to kick off an IPO on the stock market, Oatly is. They also, though, this is kind of a rumor that's going around. We'll link to a Forbes article on this, that if the stock market takes a significant dip and takes a major hit, who the hell knows what's going to happen with the crazy world that we're in right now, that they are also considering potentially selling out to one of the big dairy markets. But I don't think that that's a good idea because you see the revenues of a lot of the major dairy companies tanking in terms of the number of people that are getting now non-dairy milks. I mean, it's interesting to kind of see that. So interesting info about Oatly looking at raising money for an IPO next year. If they do, I will absolutely invest. I love their products. I actually went to grocery outlet two days ago and got half gallon for like $1.99. I was like, yep, thank you very much. So I'm big fans of Oatly. If they do an IPO, I will absolutely get some stock. And here's to seeing more plant-based healthy companies with successful stocks out there. I think it's freaking amazing. We love Beyond Meat. We love to see a lot of healthy plant-based companies doing well financially because it creates more demand and of course reduces animal cruelty, reduces factory farming and reduces the strain on the environment. So huge, huge hope for Oatly next year in a big successful IPO. With that said, dear listener, we are reminding you of our wonderful sponsor, BioOptimizers, and their great enzymes, their wonderful products we mentioned in today's episode, including the HCL. We talked a little bit about the Consti Cleanse and then what Whitney has been loving on, just loving on, and I'm actually going to get finally for the first time today, which is amazing, is the Magnesium Breakthrough that has seven forms of magnesium. It's great for stress, your immune system, normalizing your heart rhythm, lowering those cortisol levels when you get stressed out. And from what we've seen, it is the most complete magnesium supplement on the market. So we're huge fans, again, for not just their magnesium, but their Consti Cleanse, their HCL, their proteolytic enzymes, anything you want. Go to our special website, which is biooptimizers.com slash Wellevator. I will spell it all once again. It's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash Wellevator. And when you go there, use the coupon code Wellevator10, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R-1-0, and you will save 10% on whatever you want. And so far, so good, Whitney. I just, I love their products. They've been so good for me. We haven't even talked about my gout recovery, which I think maybe we'll save that for the next episode and how their proteolytic enzymes, their mass zymes product, have actually been really good at helping me lower the uric acid levels in my system. We'll save that for another episode. But until that episode, dear listener, We appreciate you getting uncomfortable with us and enjoying this trailer for Whitney's upcoming road trip. And for all of the resources we mentioned, all of the research articles, all of the books, the bio-optimizers, any of the shout-outs we did, you can go to our website, which is wellevator.com. Go to the podcast section. It will take you directly to the show notes for this episode where you can access all of those additional resources and also find out how to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For those of you who have done so, thank you so much for that support and your glowing reviews. And you can find out how to email us, which is hello at wellevator.com elevator.com and DM us on all of the social media platforms. We're on all the biggies, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, all the biggie, biggie, biggies were there. So we're easily stalkable and findable. Thanks so much for getting uncomfortable with us. And we will catch you soon with another episode. 
Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to Wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.